Welcome to Legacy Women's Podcast, where we seek to encourage women in their relationship with God and one another through monthly conversations with the women of Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Well, hello, and thanks for listening. Today, we're doing a book club style podcast, similar to ones that we've done before. This time, four ladies are going to discuss the book, Treasuring God in Our Traditions by Noelle Piper. And I thought this would be a great topic with the Christmas holidays coming up. I know we all want to increasingly treasure Christ in our own lives and lead others to do the same. And this book helps us do that. So, ladies, can each of you introduce yourselves before we dive in? My name is Shannon Stewart, and I'm married to Cap, and we have three little girls, and I teach English. And I really like books. <laughs> and that's it. I'm Shelly Mueller. I'm married to Levi. I have four kiddos. I homeschool. And we have been going to Cornerstone for about four years. And we've been greatly blessed. My name's Melissa Holbrook. And um, I'm married to Casey Holbrook, who has been in the church um since for 30 years I basically since it started <laughs> um, I have not been I've been in Cornerstone for about 10 years and we have three kids ages um, five three and one so uh, busy household I am Mia Slaker I am married to Josh we've been married for 18 years we have two boys uh, six and almost nine and um, we've been at Cornerstone for over 10 years now so Shannon, as our resident English teacher, will you give us a summary of the book? Yes, sure. Um, so what this is, is essentially the first few chapters she spends almost setting out a theology of traditions using different biblical passages to um, explain what traditions are for um, in the sight of God and sort of resetting our view of traditions as more than just things we've always done, but as really intentional things um, in order to communicate, um, well, yeah, in order to communicate things to our children and in order to remember them ourselves. Um, and then she kind of has the rest of the book divided into different little sections about different sorts of traditions. So there's a section on everyday traditions, things like mealtime prayers or like family devotions. And then she has some uh, chapters on especially traditions. Um, and then those are things like weddings and funerals and birthdays. And then she has two chapters at the end that are specifically about Christmas and Easter. And so that's really, that's the whole book. I, th I thought of it, I don't know if you all have read Sally Clarkson, The Life-Giving Home. I read it and was really intimidated and benefited still, but it was a little intense for me. This felt like a less intense Sally Clarkson. Um, so if that helps. So the first question I had was just general um, and just what encouraged you from the book? Um, I know God doesn't expect me to have the Bible memorized from cover to cover, but I found one quote in particular helpful from the book um, on page 23 in case anyone has it. But isn't Deuteronomy 11:18 encouraging? It doesn't say that we have to have all of God's word down pat before we're ready to teach. It says, lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. For the rest of our lives, with God's help, we will keep on making God's word our own, making it more and more the beat of our heart and the breath of our soul. 
Um, I did not grow up in a Christian home, and so I feel often as though I'm coming at life and parenting with a deficiency that I don't, I'm not equipped with things that other people are that grew up with certain things that I did not grow up with. Um, So this was very helpful to me to read that I don't have to have everything down, but it's about continuing to be more and more intentional in every aspect of our life and just incorporating God's word. And um, that was really helpful to me. Like Shannon said, the first part is all about the importance of God being our inheritance and our treasure. And that really encouraged me to see that out of this truth is how we develop our God-centered traditions. It's not just doing all the activities or the rituals or the traditions others do. It's out of the flow of my own treasure in Christ. And at the end of chapter one, she says, traditions are a vital way of displaying our greatest treasure of showing what, who is most important to us. And she gives the example and mentions how the Israelites did this by celebrating the Passover every year and other rituals. And God instructs them through Moses to tell their children of all of God's great works and how he saved them. Um, And she does quote several times from Deuteronomy 11, um, highlighting the important role that this tradition is for adults as well. And um, verse 12 said, lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. Um, And then later on in verse 19, um, in the end of chapter 1, she says, if we want our children to know him, it's not enough to be doing the right activities or using the symbolism of God's word and work. And she quotes verse 19, We must be talking of them when we're sitting in our house, when you're walking by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. And all of this just encouraged me in my own pursuit of Christ, treasuring in my heart, and then sharing his faithfulness and his work and his word with my children and all we do. Um, And then that is the goal, to display his goodness through our traditions. Um, So what encouraged me was the idea of repetition that she returns to a couple times throughout the book. There's this one part on page 104 where she's talking about, uh, there's a friend, she writes her a letter um, talking about like every Valentine's Day or... Yeah, it was a they they had heart shaped red jello, and it was something she could count on every year. Even though her childhood was this is not Noel's childhood, but her friends, her childhood was really chaotic and not always healthy. Um, but she just it really meant a lot to her that there was red heart shaped jello that she could count on every of one of these holidays. And she said, "Red heart shaped jello for crying out loud, such a little thing." But red heart-shaped jello year after year after year after year after year was something else entirely. I really like that quote because I tend to get tired of doing like the same thing over and over again with my kids. Like, oh, it's time for another meal. (laughs) It's time for another bedtime prayer. And just feeling like I'm going through these motions. But just that it's not only the individual meaning of each act, but it's actually this, um, I guess, communicating like the heart of God and the faithfulness of God um, in a small way through just 
being faithful to repeat those things over and over again and that that's part of what makes tradition so important like even as kids we we remember these things that our families did over and over again I just we just love that stability and um and there was disappointment if like one year Christmas got weird and we we couldn't do that thing and so I think there is something in just repetition and I thought that was really I thought it was really, um, I don't know. It gave me a lot to think about. That's good. Um, did the book change or challenge your thinking in a specific way? Uh, the Probably the biggest thing that challenged me is that I actually, despite everything I just said about repetition being uh, like a good thing, I've actually tended to be pretty cynical about holidays um, in general, like, it just feels like another hoop to I have to jump through, like uh, Mother's Day again. You know, I don't, I don't even like Mother's Day. I'm a mother, you know. Um, so I, I just tend to be kind of cynical about them and not look forward to them necessarily. And and just that she said that your traditions reflect your treasures. So to turn these holidays that I can tempt to be kind of grumpy about into like intentional opportunities to show my kids, what I treasure, and to remind myself of what's precious in life, that's like, that redeems that. That ma- that takes all the consumerism and yuckiness out of it and makes it into something I can really look forward to and enjoy. It almost makes it into like a little teaching opportunity each time. Um, and so that's probably what challenged me the most. Um, she does point out at some point in the book that traditions reflect your treasures. And so that was really that's stuck with me as something that I want to evaluate on my traditions to see if, if they do reflect my treasure as being Christ and do all my traditions affect, do they reflect that? I'm not sure. Um, but that is something that I want to use to evaluate going forward. I would second that thought that this book has opened up a lot of evaluating and even discussions with my husband about what traditions we do want to have to point our family to the Lord. So I think a lot of evaluating and what is my treasure and do the things that we do every day and holidays, all these special times reflect that Mm. um, and point our children to that being our treasure and longing for Christ to be their treasure. And the second thing I think kind of changed my thinking is that traditions are not just for holidays, Christmas, Easter, and it is family Bible time and that repetition of after dinner it's expected of we're gonna read our Bibles together and pray together and for our children to see through the everyday um, and specifically for holidays to refuel and kind of give us more of a desire to create the God-centered traditions And I think I grew up without those, and it was more of the focus on Santa and cookies and the gifts and that kind of feeling of Christmas versus really focusing on the Lord. So I think over the years, God has just gripped mine and my husband's heart to make the emphasis be on the Lord. Um, I I think I'm similar to a couple people have mentioned this I wasn't raised in a Christian home so when I hear the word tradition I my my mind goes to what traditions I had which was getting Christmas on uh, getting PJs on Christmas Eve or 
Um, yeah, I still do that <laughs> for my kids because we have to. Um, but, you know, and we had like this little advent calendar with no mention of Christ, but we got little gifts every day. So I just think when I think, hear the word traditions, I think of that. So this book just really helped change my idea of what a tradition was. Um, I never really thought of a tradition as a gift from God or a way to point, um, point us to him. But in this book, Noel just gives us so many scripture references, such as Deuteronomy eleven nineteen, and Psalm 78, um, 4 through 7. And it was so helpful to see God's commands to teach the children about God's greatness and might in the way of traditions. And I love how she classified them as both every day and those especially traditions. Because um, I never thought of traditions being every day. Just never... That word in everyday routines and traditions never really crossed my mind. But um, so now instead of thinking of traditions as just these fun things to do at Christmas or birthdays, this book helped me think about them as a way to follow God's command, both in our daily routines and our special days. And then the other thing it helped me do is to challenge what was um, what's in my heart behind that. And I want to constantly ask myself if my heart behind those traditions and the routines is God-centered. And I think you mentioned this quote, um, traditions are a vital way of displaying our greatest treasure of showing the what, the who is most important to us. Um, and I just love that quote. And I want to just, again, challenge me to really look at my heart behind those. Um, and funny that everyone else's was focused on traditions, which is kind of what the book is about. And that's not the, that's not what I wrote down. I wrote down something completely different, but, um, while I fully understand the importance of God's word, I really appreciated a quote on page 24 that said, we should keep God's word as available and as visible as if we were hanging it between our eyes, as if everything we see and do comes through his filter. His word should be as if it is tied on our hands so that all of our acts are directed and shaped by his word. Um, I just, that was not the life that I lived growing up. And so I think it's easy for me to have Christian principles or Christian concepts in my everyday life and not necessarily have the focus be on God's word itself. It's easy to focus on obedience in my children because they're called to obey in the Bible, but I'm doing it more for I want obedience as opposed to God's word says, um, and just things in my life where I feel like I really need to put up a filter like of God's word in front of everything, not just the big things, um, not just politics, not just friendships, not just major life choices, but just everything, having that filter there and really making sure that I'm filtering it through God's word and God's eyes. So that really, that challenged me to think about that very differently and how I incorporate that into every aspect of my life. Oh, that's all really good. Um, so uh, you've all shared a bunch of quotes, but I wanted to know if there were any other favorite quotes that you had. I had two, um, actually a few. So on page 18, it said, Now although we cannot bequeath God to our children, we can help them to know him and understand him in ways that prepare him to believe in his 
prepare them to believe in his name. And then later on in that page, it says, we need to remember too, that when our traditions are displaying the treasure of our lives, he is there to be seen by everyone who comes within our circle. Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven, Matthew 5, 16. God wants our family and others to give glory to him because they've seen his light through us. Um, This is particularly meaningful to me. Um, I still have a lot of unbelieving family members, including parents. Um, My children attend public school, so I come into contact with a lot of unbelieving people. um, And I just, that is, this has become something that's so important to me. And I just love the reiteration of that quote, that verse. Um, That's one of the verses that we used in making our decision about public school and just our passion for public school. Um, So I just love that reminder of letting our light shine before others and doing that in a way that it gives glory to God. I think it's easy to do it in a self-righteous way or in a holier than thou way. And that's really not what that verse calls us to do. I love that it says um, to give glory to your Father in heaven, not to give glory to yourself for being right or to knowing something that someone else doesn't know. Um, but that really, that really stuck with me. And then more. This one said um, on page 29, I soon realized that not everybody can look back to a family that supported them and pointed them toward God, but the good shepherd does not limit his sheep to only those who come from good families. Um, And on page 30, it says, even if our background is not good, the background is behind us. Before there was ever a family, there was God. He is not weakened or changed by the failure of a family. I think I just really appreciated that um, I came from a divorced family and there just wasn't a lot of tradition or consistency there. Um, Holidays weren't consistent. We didn't have even secular traditions. It felt like I never knew how it was going to go or whose house I was going to be at. I have amazing parents. I I did not grow up with this horrid, broken, twisted childhood, but Christ was not in that, and there wasn't consistency in a lot of ways. Um, And so, again, I'm so thankful for that, um, just that in particular, that God does not limit his sheep only to those who come from good families. So, again, trying to parent as a Christian now and teach my children things that I was not taught myself or I have a tendency to feel that I'm lacking something or missing something or not. I read this book and I think Noelle Piper came from deep heritage. Like she has deep heritage of Christians in her family and it sounds like her husband did too. And so it's easy to see that and think for generations you have learned how to, you've seen this model, you've done this yourself, you've seen your parents do it and your grandparents and your siblings. And I just don't have that. But I'm so thankful and reminded constantly that I am a Christian because God chose me before the foundation of the world. It has nothing to do with how well my parents did things or whether or not they even pointed me to Christ. And I think that reminds me to take a pressure off of myself that God does not need me to deliver my children. (laughs) He does that. So I'm so I'm so thankful for that truth. So those quotes, I enjoyed those. Um, So one of the things that I really took away from the book um, was repetition. And Shannon mentioned that earlier. It was really the same for me, especially right now in the early years uh, where my little kids are at. Um, So one of her quote was, Another sign of God's wisdom is that with enough repetition, 
The very activities, no matter how mundane they are, will trigger thoughts of God in our minds. And it just helped show me like a daily prayer or bed routine doesn't have to be elaborate. It just repetition is huge. And I've seen it true in my own children. And so just even reading this book, like that week after it being fresh in my mind, I saw like my my son recognized, you know, these worship songs at night, every night. It's the same ones we sing over and over and over, but he knows them. And um, the same person on our prayer list. And so it really helped me just kind of lit a fire of like, thank you, Lord. Yes, what a gift that you have for this repetition. And what an answer to prayers that you are already, like we're already seeing um, them have the word of Christ in their hearts through this. And so I just love that quote and just it being a sign of God's wisdom um, with that repetition and just made me thankful. I think I have several favorite quotes, but I will just share two. Um, I shared this one earlier. I just thought for me, this was a big key to the book. Towards the end, she says, if we want our children to know him, it's not enough just to be doing the right activities or using the symbolism of God's word and work. We must remember to be talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, which is from Deuteronomy eleven nineteen. She goes on to say, without the verbal part, our traditions will become unfocused, beautiful maybe, but without much point. And I think in the past, I've tried so hard to make these traditions that I've had fun or beautiful or these things um, that aren't focused on the Lord. Or even if it is something about um, the Christmas story or the nativity or Christ, um, it might just be the visual or the going through the motions activity versus talking about them with my children um, through the day. And so that really spoke to me. And then on page 49, she says at the end, God is the most precious heirloom our children can ever receive. And receiving him means knowing and loving him. Our personal habits and family traditions of the word and prayer are the ones that are not optional if we want God as our eternal inheritance. Well, I actually already shared my favorite quote. It was the red jello quote about how it, it is, you know, red jello is one thing, but year after year after year after year, it becomes something else that was meaningful to me. But I found another quote about repetition that I underlined, so I'll read that too. It It's just great a good reminder and it goes along with everything that Melissa was saying as well what are some of the things you remember most clearly from your childhood I'm guessing that many of them are events or words repeated frequently and regularly through many years and I went back and thought over my childhood and I was like that's true all my dad's little catchphrases I remember and my brother saying you'll be dead every time I you know, he wasn't really threatening me. But, you know, like, you know, like, I remember these little things that now I just, like, every time I hear that Star Wars quote, I get a little feeling of warmth about my brother. And, like, there's just something, I don't know, there's something special about repetition that makes it something different. And so, well, it just, it makes me want to be really intentional with what I say to my kids. What sorts of things come out of mommy's mouth on a daily basis? Is it tough or is it let's pray or, you know, <laughs> there's a difference there that can be communicated. So um, that, that was mine. 
So are there any areas that you would like to grow in or change after reading the book? Okay, I'm really excited about this. So Easter. Easter is like the biggest thing in the Christian faith. Like Christmas is great, but it's all because of Easter that Christmas even exists, right? But then I always know how to celebrate Christmas and I know how to do all the Christmas things, but Easter has always been a hard one for me because I don't, like, am I supposed to celebrate? Because, you know, three days before Easter is Jesus dying and I feel like I don't want to, I felt like a tension there. And I love that she has this whole chapter on Easter and how to, like, I don't know, ritualize the Easter celebration in ways that are more than just um, what I have been doing, which is almost nothing. <laughs> um, and she acknowledges that tension of, okay, we need to, we need to, you know, make it part of our Easter celebration that we were part of the cause of Christ's death and then, then to move beyond that. So even some of her ideas, like, one was to use candles again and to extinct, like have them all burning and then extinguish one at a time, like in the weeks leading up to Easter, like through the Lent season. And then on Easter morning, all of them are shining brightly again. That brought tears to my eyes. Like that would be a really easy visual symbol that I could do with no cost almost to do something for Easter other than the flowers that I have been doing, flowery dresses, you know. So that was um, really exciting to me. That's what I want to change. I loved her ideas. I'm not going to use all her ideas, but I loved where she sent my mind going with that. One of the main things that I feel like made me think and I want to change in how I plan my traditions and not just, oh, Christmas crept up or Easter and what what can I do? And it was more of this intentional planning so I feel like having conversations with my husband and talking about um, what God-centered traditions would be good for our family. And um, there's a quote, she said, we must plan to reflect God and teach about Christ and the repeated events in our lives. And I think I've been really quick to, oh, what are you doing? Oh, look what she's doing. It's so great. And it might really be wonderful and God-centered. Um, but I'm just so quick to copy those instead of, go to the Lord in prayer or see how is our family bent or what's our season of life? How old are my kids? Can I really do this? And it means something to them. Um, so that really encouraged me. And there was a part she was talking about how they're, the Pipers are a family of words and he would write poems for their birthdays and just how they're wired and we're not wired that way. And she even says, um, dive from the ideas here into the traditions you choose and form to fit your home and your family in this chapter of life. Your celebrations shouldn't try to include every detail you've read here. They should have God at the center. And that just really encouraged me to see I don't have to copy all the ideas. Like Shannon said, maybe this one really means a lot and I can do this and it'll be wonderful. But it is led by the Lord in our family. Well, so I probably took a little different spin on this because um, the way my mind works is I'm a planner and I'm like a doer and I've read all these things and I'm like, okay, I got to go to Pinterest and I'm going to look for this calendar and I need to like, you know, okay, what are we going to do for birthday celebrations? And I'm talking to Casey about, okay, we, we need to get better about doing devotions. Come on, like we got to get on this. Like, you know, my mind immediately goes into I'm not doing enough and what I got to do better. And um, I go into planning mode. So I'm starting to search for all these ideas and, um, 
you know, I'm I'm help I'm you know trying to think through birthday celebrations and I have to make sure they're Christ centered. And I love all the traditions and she had really good ideas and you guys are have been helping me be like, okay, Melissa, you don't have to just only implement hers. Um, get your own ideas. But that's my mind is just I go into the how and I'm gonna, you know, start planning. So um, but then I read a section in the book um, on page eighty-eight where a friend wrote a letter to Noel Piper. And the woman had almost lost her child in November, and they were still dealing with the long-term implications. And after that trial she went through, she found the Christmas hoopla hard. And as part of Noel's response to her friend, she said, only Christ matters. And that just struck me. And Noel goes on to write, sometimes when things are going well, we might too easily forget that we have only one sure, immovable, dependable strength. Jesus, who was a baby once, is always and forever God. That is what holds us and keeps us, whether or not we can carry out our traditions. May our decorations, gifts, and festivities, or lack of them, never block our view of him, but always point us to him. And that really struck me and, and convicted me and just and how I was already getting wrapped up in the what I had to do and how I'm going to make this you know wonderful Christmas tradition that my kids will always remember and it'll be repetitive and it'll be beautiful and it'll point to Christ <laughs> and all these things and how I was already getting caught up in that hoopla and I just was praying like, Lord, help me. Remember that only Christ matters and um, and that I want to be continually pointing to him and that my heart is pointing to him. Um, and then kind of adding on that as I was praying through that, because it really struck me and just really sat on that for a sec for a while while I was reading it, I thought about our friends and um, just people in our church that are going through trials right now and the thought of carrying out these Christmas traditions may seem really overwhelming or singles or married individuals that do not have children, but long for a family to keep teach Christ to. And so reading about these family traditions that center around children may seem um, discouraging. But that quote on, a, on page 88, only Christ matters, helps point us to Christ in whatever season or trial. Um, and there's another quote that she gives on page 105 that also just reminds us what's important. Uh, the essential is that the eyes of my heart be focused on the author of the universe so that I celebrate the world and history as he's written it. So even if um, our traditions look different than the book, than the ideas that the book gives, because maybe we don't have children to have a lot of these traditions, um, but the God's desire is still that your heart and your eyes be pointed to him. I'm, I think I'm similar to Melissa in the sense that I am a planner. And so when I read things, I think, well, and again, I think I struggle with feeling like I'm not doing something that I should be doing or, oh, I'm not incorporating that enough. And it's less, when I read this, it was less about what I wasn't doing at the holidays and it was more the everyday things that really struck me. And so it was such a good reminder that whether we mean to or not, our children come to believe that whatever is repeated regularly has significance. It's easy to miss opportunities to teach our children about God in everyday life, especially when we're busy or tired, but making it a regular habit of teaching them, teaching them how important that is. And so I think for me, I was convicted about 
just the everyday things, the things that, again, I think come naturally to other people that don't come naturally to me. Um, And my husband works an odd schedule. He works in a hospital and works night shift and works long stretches. So I do solo parenting a lot in the evenings. And so it's easy for me to read that and feel, oh, man, I did not pray with the boys. I'm not praying with them. I'm so tired. I'm just trying to like yell them into bed so I can have five minutes of peace and quiet. Um, and so to be reminded that taking a few minutes to make to make sure that I'm those traditions, those everyday traditions, that I'm I'm focusing on that. And sometimes it's not about, oh well we've got this prayer that we recite every single night and that's a tradition and I'm instilling that. Sometimes it's that mom screamed like a crazy person all night long But before bed, she grabbed me and pulled me aside and said, can you forgive mom for behaving and responding the way that I did tonight? Mom's tired. It doesn't mean that I should, that I, it's okay. I responded the way that I did, but can you, can you forgive mom? Can you extend grace to mom? And doing, in doing that, both my husband and I, my husband who grew up in a Christian home and me who did not grow up in a Christian home, we did not have parents that necessarily looked for forgiveness when they sinned against us. And so that's one of those things for us that's really important is to not be perfect parents, but it's to know that when we've done something, we've sinned against our children, we've responded badly, is to turn around and say to them, hey, that was wrong, or I responded out of anger, or will you forgive me? And that in and of itself is a tradition. We are now instilling in our kids, not perfect parents, not parents who displayed Christ perfectly every moment of every day, but parents who are imperfect, parents who are sinners, but parents who can see that and be convicted by that and and come back around and bring our kids along with us to say, hey, I did that wrong. And what I'm teaching you, the tradition that I'm teaching you here is is asking for forgiveness, is seeking forgiveness. It's offering grace when grace is not deserved, which is the definition of grace. So not not making light of those things in in our lives too instead of allowing myself to just be convicted by I'm not executing x y and z perfectly to remind myself that when I don't do those things perfectly am I still grabbing opportunities that I can to point my children to the Lord okay so you've talked about Christmas a little bit but this is uh coming out in December and so I did just want to know what are your Christmas plans they can be from the book or just things that you do enjoy doing so share those with us. We did, obviously, again, my upbringing, we did not focus on Christ at Christmas. So that was really just not the focus of things. And so it was really important to me that we did that very specifically with our own family. And so I loved the idea of Advent and that kind of celebration, but um, didn't love some of the options that were out there, felt they were more complex than I wanted them to be, or more simple or chocolate focused than I wanted them to be. Um, And so I went looking for a resource that would work for them while they were little and would be something that we could grow. And so I found this amazing book called The Advent Jesse Tree, uh, Devotions for Children and Adults to Prepare for the Coming of the Christ Child at Christmas. It's this tiny little book that I found on Amazon. Um, But one of the things I loved about it is that there's 25 days 
And so it walks through, um, it tells the story of God's redemptive plan through 25 symbols from the Old Testament to the New Testament, tracing the heritage of Christ from the beginning of, of creation through his birth. Um, and one of the things I love about this book is that each, um, there's a story for each day and each um each different day has scripture, it has a devotion, it has specific questions to, to ask your kids, and it has a prayer. But there's a children's version and an adult version in both. So what you were talking about, Melissa, maybe families that don't have children or their children are babies and they don't really have a child that they could do this with, there's both things in one book. But one of the things that you do with the Jesse tree is there are ornaments that go along with it. And this is part of what I wanted to do when my um, my oldest was very little. So I created these little tiny felt ornaments that had all the different 25 symbols and so every day they pull one out of a bag we read the story we read the scripture it was much simpler when they were teeny tiny it's getting a little bit more intense now but then we have a small tree that all of these ornaments go on so we have numbered bags so they know which one but they we hang them up so by the end we get all the way down to to Christ. And I love that it walks them from creation through the birth of Christ. That was one of the things for me. I want my children to understand Christ from the beginning through his birth, that that he was woven through scripture, that Christmas is not just focusing on the act of the birth of Christ. It's funny that you said Easter is the main holiday. I always think of Christmas as the main holiday because to me in my mind, like, Without that act, without that humility of Christ coming to earth as a baby, there would be no Easter. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, that's I, I, that focus on Christmas has always just been so strong because there's that hope of, of hope being born into the world. So this tradition has really held through the ages. Again, my oldest is about to be nine, and I think I started this when he was one or two. Um, and it's really kind of held, and it's simple. So it took a while to create the little ornaments, but you can do them out of paper. Paper. You can do them. Out. My son was just a little crazy when he was one, and so I needed something that if he chucked it on the ground, he wasn't wasn't going to rip or break. Um, but it's really held strong, and it's been an easy thing to repeat because I have the book, I have the ornaments. It's something that the kids look forward to every year, and it reminds both my husband and I and our boys of the whole story, not just Christmas, but it takes us the whole month of December to get from creation to the birth of Christ. Well, I may be doing what she just did <laughs> because I have actually been like thrown this book. I really wanted to find some sort of simple visual tree or just calendar or something that they could see, but also a kid. So um, I was actually going to come here asking for recommendations. Um, so I did see online that um, Sally Lloyd-Jones, who does this Jesus Storybook Bible, came out with a Christmas one. And so um, I may also look into that one because it actually has like music along with it. You can press buttons and, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, my family is probably a music family. They all love music. They all dance around. So that might be something I look into as well. But I'm kind of curious to see what other people are doing because I might steal those. I feel like when I thought about Christmas, my first thought for myself and how I'm wired was do less stuff. Mm -hmm. And I know I mentioned I can try to copy everyone's stuff. And when you try to copy everyone's stuff, it just becomes 
stressful stuff and my kids don't enjoy what I've planned or I get frustrated at the cookie making, all these things that I feel like, oh, we need to make. And making cookies is fun. It's not bad. But I was making those things the focus. I had a great idea. Let's go cut our own tree down. And no one really enjoyed that in our family. And so I don't have to make these things work and we have to do this for it to be fun. Or So I think that was a big thing of it's not all just let's have fun or doing all these crafts and things. I'm just not a craft person. And so when I try to make that be our thing, it's not enjoyable. We're not focusing on the Lord. So that was kind of a big thing for me. Let's reel it back and not do all that stuff. And so I feel like I'm still in the reevaluating and thinking through. But when I asked my husband, what kind of things would you want to do for our family or traditions? And he just has this gift of serving and really wants to engage our kids. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I did like an idea she gave that I might take and see. Um, she talked about letting her kids do different jobs or chores and they can earn like wages, but it's for giving to someone, which I feel like you could keep that as a tradition and the giving could look different Mm -hmm. through the years, whether there's a family, whether it's in your own family or in your church that has a need or giving to thrive or ministry we're part of or whatever that looks like of let's give a gift to the Lord in serving others. And so that was that was neat to talk to my husband and just see what are his ideas. Because I think I can just get going with, we need to do these things, and this is my idea, and not really engage with him and say, what do we want to do? So that encouraged me. But I also came looking for ideas. I love the idea of celebrating Advent. So I think I'm going to be prayerful about that. And I know Cornerstone gives a lot of suggestions with, here's a, a devotional here, or this Advent book, or just seeing what fits our family because I've tried the ornaments thing and it's day 12 and I haven't done oh we forgot to hang up the ornaments so I need to see what works for my how I operate in our family life and so I'm still evaluating and thinking but Shelly what you said reminded me of an article that someone in my community group shared last year or two years ago and it was like if it makes you yell don't do it. That was so releasing to me. <laughs> like, uh, so many, so much stress. But, uh, so the biggest thing I'm, I'm with you, Mia. I love, I love Christmas. Like I, I consistently just like am in tears in during the Christmas season, just because of like, you came, yeah. you came, you came. Like it's unbelievable. And, um, so one of the things I do that I feel really strongly about is kind of my my little soapbox is I make a very sharp distinction between Advent and Christmas because we tend to as a culture say like Advent is Christmas and during Advent we tend to feel like we need to feel all the joy and like seasonal bliss of Christmas during the entire like season when you're getting ready to celebrate Christmas but um, one of my friends in college was really into the church year and she taught me that Advent is a time of expectation and waiting. And it's not like, I feel like so much of Christmas can be like, I need to feel joyful. I need to feel seasonal. I need to feel this way. But that that might be the pressure we're putting on ourselves because Christmas has not yet come. We're not to the celebration yet. We're in the preparation stage still. So one of the things that I do in my family is Advent is a time when we are getting ready for the King. 
Um, so we we clean the house. The kids help me. Um, we make ahead a ton of meals so that on the 12 days of Christmas, and we do all 12 days, um, mommy doesn't cook dinners uh, during those 12 days. Mommy makes a bunch of freezer meals and she gets out those so she can just be watching movies and playing board games with the kids. Um, but it's like Advent is like work. It's not like, oh, well, let's just have fun. We do make cookies. Um, but that's, you know, it's in preparation for now we don't have to make cookies on Christmas. <laughs> and uh, so Advent is a really big deal to us and it's very much about expectations. So the songs that we sing around the table, around the Advent wreath, um, which mommy is also really passionate about, the kids know mommy is like into the Advent wreath. Um, and it's and it's not the wreath, it's just the, the like, like we needed hope and we needed love and we needed joy. We didn't have any of that. And like, as he is coming, he's bringing those things to us. So when we are singing the songs around the Advent wreath, we're not singing joy to the world yet. We're singing the songs about expectation, like come, O come, Emmanuel, or Jesus, joy of man's desiring. We're, we're singing songs about like, we're waiting for you, Lord. So I, I don't know if that helps, but just my, my, my tendency and my hope during the Advent season is actually summed up really well in a Christina Rossetti poem that I took the liberty of bringing. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read these two lines. But this is like what Advent is. We weep because the night is long. We laugh for day shall rise. Oh, I just love that. And so um, that's what I want my kids to feel. I, I want them to feel like the expectation and the longing and the preparation, like the excitement, the anticipation, but like the festival is put off until Christmas for us. So that's one of the big things I think we do differently from a lot of people, but it has served my heart so well. Well, thanks so much for sharing. I, I'm excited about Christmas. It's actually like mid-November when we're recording this, so we're a little bit away away from that. But it, it does make me anticipate that, and um, I just love this conversation because you get such a great balanced perspective. I think anything like this, it's kind of maybe a little heavy on practicals. Um, even though the basis is definitely your heart and your own treasuring of Christ, there's all kinds of temptations with that. But I think the beauty of having a group of, of ladies talk about that is you get that balanced perspective on, on how to think about that well, um, but still with the emphasis being on treasuring Christ. And you guys just did an excellent job of making that the center of the conversation as well. So um, thank you again for sharing. And thanks to everyone who listened. 